the story of the Bible and how the church began is pretty remarkable. It begins, of course, with Jesus. And following Jesus were his friends, many of them just young, young men. And these early followers were eager to be on this mission with Jesus. But before they really got going, Jesus died. He left them. They had three years to learn from Jesus. They wanted to keep this this movement of his going and invite others into it. But how? There was still so much that they didn't know or, or, or understand. But Jesus had the answer. And it was the church. He sent the Holy Spirit and the church was born. It wasn't a place. It wasn't a building. It wasn't an organization. It wasn't even a religion. It was a people, God's people, following Jesus' way of life and inviting others on the journey into his family, working together to advance God's mission in the world. So here's a description of the early church from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many signs and wonders performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. And enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. What a powerful picture. And what a statement. The church enjoyed the favor of all the people. And later in Acts it says that there was joy in the city because of the church's presence. The presence of God's people. People loved the church. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the vision and call of Orchard Hill Church. This is who we believe God wants us to be. And the practices that connected the first century church to Jesus and his mission still work today. We believe that there are four basic practices. And we've been talking about these now for for four weeks. Invest in others. Engage the word. Worship God. And belong in community. We believe that these four practices are the way that you, the way that anyone, can jump into the mission and the life of Jesus here at Orchard Hill Church. And when you jump in... And participate in these four streams at Orchard. You're joining followers of Jesus from throughout history who have jumped into God's river of life. And we want to help you. Help you to invest in others, engage the Bible, worship God, and belong in community. Because when you do, you will more fully experience God. His presence, 
His power, His goodness, and you will help advance His mission that He's given to our church family, which is to help next generations encounter and follow Jesus to bless a broken world. So I want to begin with a fairly bold statement. And it's this. Your capacity and our church's capacity for growth and impact are dependent on your participation in and your commitment to a group of people who share life and faith in Jesus. I don't want this to rush past you, so I want to stop and read it again. Your capacity and our church's capacity for growth and impact are dependent on your participation in and commitment to a group of people who share life and faith in Jesus. In other words, to grow as a follower of Jesus, to stay spiritually healthy, Christian community is critical. In the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 says, Two are better than one. I want you to say that with me. Here we go. Two are better than one. One more time. Two are better than one. We've always known that two are more than one. But Ecclesiastes says that two are better than one. A team is not just qualitatively or quantitatively superior, but it's also qualitatively superior. It's not just more, it's better. I think there was a time not that long ago when many people believed that to be strong was to be independent. I think a lot of people in my father's generation would say that that is true. We got a chance to go see my mom and dad yesterday and have lunch with them in Spencer. And then we uh, drove up to Northwest Iowa to Sioux Center to go celebrate my wife's dad's, my father-in-law's 90th birthday uh, with Deb's family. And I think they'd probably both agree that they were raised in such a way to believe that independence was a virtue. But that's changed. I've noticed that our culture places more value on intimacy on deep friendships, on belonging to community. And this is good. Because I believe that all people experience a deep yearning to be connected with others, to be in community with other people. To go the way of complete independence is a lonely way. Ecclesiastes actually says it's meaningless, it's miserable business. It's not the best way to find strength and independence, the ability to, to stand on your own two feet without anyone's help is a myth. Actually, it's a lie. Strength is found when you join your life with others. You see this everywhere today. You go to a bowling alley on league night. What do you see? Lousy bowlers. No, you see community. You see it on the golf course. Well, not anymore. You see it at the rec center. You actually will see it right here in this room tomorrow morning when a bunch of folks gather for aerobics. You see it at Social House. You see it at Soho or Village Inn or Sidecar. 
You see it on campus, at the union or in the cafeteria. You see it, you see it in the stands or in the sideline at a football game or a soccer game. Even the most introverted people among us look for safe ways to, to build community into their lives. Safe ways to connect intimately with other people. Why? Because we crave it. Think about your favorite TV shows. What makes them so appealing? My guess is that they show a group of people who are intimately connected. It's community. And watching these made-up versions of it, we vicariously experience it. We laugh with them. We cry with them. And when the final episode of the final season comes, we can't wait to watch it. The day and time are fixed in our minds. We make sure that there are no conflicts or interruptions. And if there are, we DVR it and we, we watch it as quickly as possible so that no one can accidentally tell us what happened. But another part of us hates watching it. Because it's the end. The community that we've been a part of is, is done. But now what are we going to do? But that's make-believe, right? So let's turn off the TV. Let's come back to real life. There's another side of building community and relationships. As much of a, a people person as I am, there, there's still this temptation within me to not invest in relationships or build community and, and instead to be independent, to isolate myself, to do life by myself. Can any of you relate to that? I think the reason why is that in the real world, relationships are tough. They're not easy to maintain. They take more than 30 minutes a week. They take time and attention. Relationships are hard work. And secondly, they're disappointing. One thing that is absolutely true about people is that they will let you down. They will not meet your expectations. They will disappoint you. When I talk about our marriage, I, I oftentimes say that my wife's husband is a constant source of disappointment for, to me. Just think about that. You'll catch up. People will always let you down. They will disappoint you. And then third, relationships are, are messy. They're, they're unpredictable. They're like Iowa weather in October. You wait a little while and it'll change. Community is made up of relationships and relationships are fickle. It's been a few years, but I used to uh, lead our junior high ministry here. And I remember how, how fragile and sensitive junior high relationships were. And I fully expected when I transitioned into pretty much full-time adult ministry that I would leave that all behind. Not so much. Relationships are messy. They're disappointing. They're hard work. So the question I've had to ask myself is this. Is it worth it? Is the hard work of building, maintaining community worth it? And some days, to be honest, I say, no. And I crawl into a hole and I stay there. But more days I say, yeah, it's worth it. It's worth the hard, messy, disappointing work. But what makes it worth it? Well, there were a group of us 
that were talking about this the other day. And a question was asked, what's the best community that you ever experienced? And what were some of the, the key ingredients to making it happen? And here's some of the things that we came up with. We talked about honesty. Being in a group where, where you can be yourself, where you don't have to wear a mask of any kind. And, and you knew that other people were going to be honest with you too. Talked about support, about sharing life together, the good and the bad, and sticking together no matter what happened. And, and kind of along with that, we talked about being connected, knowing others intimately and being known by them. And we also talked about sharing a common goal, working together for something or trying to achieve something that you believe is really important, maybe even something you are willing to die for. But then another question was asked, what destroys community? We said, well, a break, a break in trust or confidentiality, unresolved conflict, busyness, lack of commitment, selfishness, inflexibility. We started to share examples of disappointments we experienced when relationships failed or when community broke down. And to be honest, I think it was easier for us to come up with those kind of examples than it was for the first ones. It's like the, like we almost canceled out all of the positives with the negatives. So what does make it worth it? What makes it worth all the hard work, all the disappointment, all the emotional upheaval that relationships bring? I want to go back to Acts. To those same verses. I want to read them again. And I want you to think about this as, as you're listening, as you're following along. What makes Christian community worth it? Oh, so let's listen. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Who acts like this? Who actually lives like this? Eating together, sharing stuff, doing life together. Who acts this way? Well, families do. Friends do. That's Christian community. It's God's design. And it's how Jesus lived. Jesus didn't do life alone. He moved through life with a group of close friends. And he did it for the sake of his friends, so he could teach them how to live, the best way to live. But he also did it for himself, because he needed it. He needed his friends, his community. He needed their help. He needed their companionship. He needed their love, and he needed to love them. He needed their presence and support. 
He laughed with them. He worked hard alongside them. He prayed with them. He ate with them. He cried and he suffered with them. They did community together and they were all better because of it. And when it was time for his followers to begin their own ministry, did he send them out alone? No. He told them to do it together. And he sent them out two by two. He instituted the buddy system. And, and here's an interesting side note. Whenever the disciples are listed in the Gospels, they're usually listed in pairs. Simon and Andrew, James and John, Philip and Nathaniel, Thomas and Matthew, Simon and Judas. God seems to like to, to link his workers together. Moses and Aaron, Joshua and Caleb, Ruth and Naomi, David and Jonathan, Paul and Silas. The Bible calls us to live together in Christian community. It's one of the last things that Jesus prayed for in the garden before he died. He prayed that his followers, his followers would be one, that they would experience unity so that together they could be a bright light to the world. Community has always been important here. But I'll confess, we haven't given it the tension that it deserves for Orchard to remain strong and faithful. And for us to grow and stay healthy, we need this. We need community. So let me give you a few quick reasons why we believe this is true. Number one, community helps us see ourselves more honestly. Have you ever noticed how so many of us have mastered the subtle art of rationalizing our behavior. We don't even know we're doing this. It's kind of like this. When you act a certain way, you're prejudiced. But when I act the same way, I'm discerning. When you talk a certain way, you're being mean. But when I talk the same way, I'm just telling it like it is. You're slow. I'm deliberate. You're pig-headed. I have the courage of my convictions. You are stuck up and snotty. I have healthy self-esteem. We rationalize our behavior. I didn't mean that, by the way, by any, except maybe for Daryl. I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't. I just had a point at somebody, you know. <laughs> we rationalize our behavior. We protect ourselves from criticism and correction. And in the meantime, we miss opportunities to grow and to mature. Community with Christian friends helps us to honestly examine and see our own lives. As we learned at the Global Leadership Summits this past August, we all have blind spots. We need trusted companions who love us, who stand with us to help us discover and correct them. Number two, community helps us develop a more well-rounded faith. Even the most mature faith is only partial. The wisest, most Fully devoted followers of Christ that I've known have all valued and participated in community. They respected, they welcomed the insight faithful friends provided them. And that takes humility, it takes vulnerability, but that's how you grow up. 
It is. We walk this path together, sometimes poorly, but we still walk it together, not alone. Adults learn best. They retain that learning when it happens in community, where there's conversation, where there's discussion, where there's questions. And we're committed to creating those kind of learning opportunities here to help you grow with others. Whether it be men's fraternity or the journey or these get to know groups that Carla is talking about or Route 55, Mom's Morning Out, short term small groups, college life groups, ministry teams, our family meals on Wednesday night and on and on and on. All of our major ministries are built around community. When we share life together, our church is healthier. We grow up. Number three, community helps us keep going. In our faith. It's really easy to make a strong start out of the blocks in the Christian faith. But stay with it. Stay at it. Day after day. That's the hard part. We need the encouragement and the accountability of our community. We need Community, when our faith begins to plateau and starts to grow stale. We need it when it turns inward and starts growing legalistic. We need it when we get lost and we lose our way. We need it when we get hurt or a storm hits. And we need someone to hold us up. The people that make up your community are your three o'clock in the morning friends. The ones you can call or text and you know they'll answer. They are, as some of my friends say, your people. And their presence in your life keeps you going. Now I want to be clear about something though. You can find and you can experience community in a lot of places. You don't need Christians or the church. To find people to love, to know, to care for, to cry with, to laugh with. You can find it at a health club, in a neighborhood, at an AA meeting, a bar, a dorm room, even in your home. You don't have to be a Christian to experience this. But when we talk about Christian community, we're talking about something unique. The difference between Christian community and the close friendships of the world is that in Christian community, I, I experience God. And I experience Him with and through other people. This is what Paul talks about in Romans 12 when he says that we, we mutually encourage each other in our faith. And in John 17, when Jesus prayed that His followers would be one, that they would be together in their faith. He did so so that the world would believe when they saw them. This is what the book of Acts talks about that we read. When it says that the early church, this community of believers enjoyed the favor of all people because of how they lived together. Christian community grows our faith. It points other people to God. It's powerful. It changes lives. It changes families. It changes neighborhoods and communities. It changes the world. So let me, let me just finish by asking you some questions. 
Are you experiencing Christian community? Is it a high value for you? Who are your Christian friends? Who makes up your community? Who are the believers that give you an honest picture of yourself, who round out your faith, who keep you going? Who are your three o'clock in the morning friends? Who are your people? Can you name them? And if you can't, what does that tell you? Some of you are going to feel encouraged by this, so keep at it. Stay in the stream, protect, and continue to invest in Christian community. Some of you need to wade deeper into this. Make it a priority. Invest more honestly. Be more genuine. Share more deeply. Take more risks. And some, some of us just need to start. The opportunities are there. We, we want to help you. So jump in. Start somewhere with someone. Yes, it's hard, it's messy, and someone will let you down. But it is worth it. Belonging in community is, is one practice, one stream. But I want you to know that the real power is found when we jump into this river, this river of life that God invites us into and experience all four of these streams, invest in others, engage the word, worship God, belong in community. Let's pray. God, I thank you that the same way of living that your son challenged the early church into living this way of life that Jesus taught his friends about and that the Holy Spirit confirmed in their hearts and in their lives is, is the very same way of living that you invite us into the very same we don't have to we don't have to discover anything new we don't have to make up something. We don't have to invent anything. It's, it's just, it's right there. You, you invite us to invest our lives and our gifts and our abilities and our resources into the lives of other people with, with love and genuineness and compassion, with your truth and with your power. You have left us with your very word, your story, God. At any moment of any day, we can pick up, we can open up, and we begin to read and hear about how you have been about a mission, a mission of restoring things back to what you had intended in the very beginning, a mission of grace and love and mercy. God, you give us an opportunity every Sunday morning to come and worship together, to sing, to join our voices together in praise, to honor you and who you are, to come together as your people, to learn together, to pray together, just to be together, to enjoy each other's presence, to be encouraged by it. And God, you put people in our path 
all the time that we can walk through life together with people who are in this on the same journey the same journey of discovering what it means to be a follower of Jesus God help us not to buy into the lie that we're better alone that one is better than two or more because it's not that's a lie that the enemy whispers to us we need each other we need each other desperately so that we can grow up so that we can be this bright light that Jesus prayed for that when the world sees us and how we live together how we love each other how we care for each other and support each other and make each other so much better than we are by ourselves that the world would say hey I want in what's going on here Help us to be that people. Help us to be that church. So God, thank you. Thank you for your river of life that you invite us to jump into. For these streams that give us hope and confidence. That give us ability to move through life. So thank you. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen.